Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to be part of our real estate family and learn commercial real estate investing from A to Z. I'll be sharing with you tips for real estate investing while being mentored by a few people with several years of experience so that you and I can make the least amount of mistakes as possible and succeed a lot faster. My goal is to keep things very straightforward because I value your time and you are here to learn. With that, in the last episode, we talked about the legal strategies to best protect your real estate assets. And in this episode, we are talking about best practices for fundraising for your syndication. We are interviewing Ben Kogut. He is a partner at HJH Investments. Ben focuses on investor relations and fundraising, and he has been in commercial real estate for over 15 years. He is sharing a ton of really, really valuable information and I am sure you will all love it. Here we go. Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. We have a ton of questions for you and really appreciate you taking the time. First, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Well, Steph, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's an honor and you know, hopefully can add value to anybody listening. And so a little bit about me. I have been in commercial real estate since 2005. Started out as a real estate broker, uh, then transitioned into investing and developing, and now am primarily focused on raising capital for commercial real estate syndications with a firm that I'm a partner in called HJH Investments. And so I am the director of uh, investor relations and all the capital raising responsibilities fall on my shoulders. Why don't you walk us through your first syndication raise? A ton of people may be starting their their first syndications. Can you tell us what did you do? How long did it take for you to raise the funds? What were the results like? Lessons learned and things like that? Sure. So great question. Uh, I'd say first it starts with the deal, making sure that the deal itself is solid. And for me, a good deal looks like predictable cash flows. And generally speaking, uh, that means that we have a high credit tenant with a long-term lease or multiple long-term leases, you know, something to that extent. And so making sure that all the numbers, debt, we structure our deals where we have um, a high net worth individual sign on the debt and that uh, the assets are in an area that we think are going to appreciate. So to answer your question, that process started for me on my first deal with my relationships. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what this business is about, in my opinion, is people that I've known throughout my involvement in real estate for the past 15 plus years, plus people that I know throughout my involvement in the community whether it be, you know, I'm pretty involved in the Jewish community. So people that I've known through that or people I'm involved in the fitness community, I'm involved in do a lot of sports. So just basically just kind of started there by talking to people, Hey, here's the deal. Here's what I like about the deal. Here's what I don't like about the deal. 
And here's what you may expect by, you know, potentially investing in a, in a deal like this. At the beginning, I would say it was way, way, way more difficult than I expected. Mostly it was like, hey, Ben, we like you. We like this deal. But why don't you go out and, you know, get a little bit more track record under your belt. And once you kind of got that going, then, then, then let me know. Chicken and the egg situation for sure. And then at the end of the day, it you know, it was just... It did take a lot, a lot longer than I expected. It's been some years now. I would say right now it's taken me sometimes one week to raise all the money for a deal, but usually I, I budget three to four weeks to get a deal done. Back then it took me months, months. Mm-hmm. But really like the best advice I could say, if anybody is thinking, okay, I want to raise money or I'm thinking about one day I want to raise money, then now is the time to start telling people within your sphere of influence, the people that already know that you're a smart, capable individual and that you're working on a deal or you have a deal and, hey, would you be somebody that would be interested in, in investing with me once I get a deal? And I think a deal will look like this, whatever this is, if you're in you know, triple net properties the way I am, or if you're in multifamily or you know, all the other different asset classes, which there's many. That brings me to my next point. I would highly recommend that if you're at the beginning part of your journey, that you focus, that you pick one niche and learn as much as you can about that niche, learn who the players are, learn where the best areas are, so on and so forth, and uh, just focus in on that. One book that has been a big influence on me and my company is a book called The One Thing by, by Gary Keller, who started Keller Williams. And really, mm-hmm. I don't know if we need to go too deep into that, but long story short, the people that focus are the ones that are going to really win biggest at the end of the day. So just those are some thoughts. No, that is really good advice. It's so easy, especially, you know, nowadays with internet and 50 open tabs on your computer to get distracted by the next shiny object. But focusing is <laughs> so true. It's so true. Yeah, I'm not every gonna, level. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I don't get distracted, but from a business perspective, once I gave up development for one, and number two, I really, you know, basically gave up 80% of my brokerage business to focus 20% on brokerage and 80% on raising capital, and it, it honestly it's been the best decision I've ever made in my life. Now that you have quite a bit of experience and that you're raising all of your funds in less than a month. What are some of the best practices for fundraising for a syndication? Yeah. So putting together a clear and concise investment deck, first of all, to make sure that people understand, you know, what it is that, that we're trying to accomplish. Uh, number two, this is a new addition to, to my practice. I've been putting together short video where I basically just stand in front of the property and I talk about it. What are we seeing here? Just to give, you know, some people really care about what does the property look like? Sure. Some people could care less, to be honest. (laughs) They're like, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care where it is. I just show me the money. What are the the leases? Who are the tenants? What, you know, what are the terms? What kind of debt do we have? What kind of return am I? I'm going to put this much money in. How much am I going to get out and when? I'm trying to provide 
that type of data to a broad range of people. So that's two things. Number three, you know, we've been building up uh, a database of investors. They're all accredited. And so uh, communicating with them primarily through email. We just transferred our database over to a software company called HubSpot. Mm-hmm. That is our CRM and email marketing and all that kind of stuff. We are at the precipice of working with a third-party company who specializes in optimizing HubSpot to be able to create new lead magnets and other ways to attract people into our you know, database. Like the goal, like right now we have, I think, upwards of 180 or close to 200 existing investors amongst our portfolio. That's always like the best place to start. Like we, we give them a heads up. So any new deal that we put out and we put out a new deal, if it's not every month, it's every other month, you know, with COVID and things, we've got a little bit delayed, but right now we're on track to do about a deal a month. And so we like to give preferential treatment to our existing investors to let them have a head start. They will see the email and the data first. That kind of unlocks a first wave of conversations with our investors who are calling me to ask, you know, specific questions about that particular deal. And then once we've kind of shaken through that list of people, uh, usually we'll have investors that just jump right in. We have other investors that just some people really like to get into the nitty gritty. And then some people, you know, will just be a quick no, which is totally fine. Another piece of advice I could give people that uh, I struggled with at the beginning, but is um, really good advice that someone gave to me, is to be indifferent. <laughs> to be indifferent to whether or not somebody invests in that deal or in you, completely indifferent. I really do not care if you invest in this deal or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mentally, it's like really set me free. It really takes the pressure off. And I, yeah. think, I think it may be, you know, the person on the other side of that conversation, ideally it's an investor. Like they, you know, I don't want anybody to feel pressured to come into a deal. I want people to take their time and make the best decision for them and their family and their lives. And so that requires that I be indifferent. And it's tough, especially when you got your <laughs> second deal or whatever, like to be like, oh man, this, this person is going to you know, drop X number of dollars as an investor into my deal. Like, I'm so excited. This is going to kick it off. And, but the best way to do it is just be completely indifferent. (laughs) I think that's really good advice. And it's probably the first time someone says that here. So you mentioned that you have basically right now one deal every month. Um, Is that how often you reach out to your investors or do you have a, more often cadence to reach out to them. So historically speaking, our investors would hear from us. Here's how they hear from us. Every 15th of every single month, they will get an email basically saying, hey, you're about to get a a distribution because we make distributions every month. So that's a automated way that they hear from us. It's not a email from Ben saying, hey, blah, blah, blah. So that's one way. Number two they get another email quarterly. Uh, so at the end of October on the 25th is the end of the third quarter where they will get a brief update on the property. Hey, we had a, you know, we got a new tenant. We lost a tenant. We had somebody hit a pole in the parking lot. 
we had a window broken, whatever it is, I don't know. And so our asset manager will draft uh, a summary basically explaining to them, hey, this is what's going on with that property. Most of the time, the email is about a paragraph and it's basically saying everything's on track, everything's about the same. That's generally what is mostly the communications. So that's, that's on deals with investors that we already have in a deal. For new investors that we're trying to, you know, educate, which is what I actually think of my job as. Like, I'm not here to raise capital, which is like a weird thing to think about. My job is to educate people about the benefits of investing in commercial real estate syndications, about that particular deal that we intend on acquiring and, you know, really just educating. And then, and then on a side note, and just building a relationship, just being myself, having fun, taking care of people, and you know, enjoying life, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we're back to that mention of the HubSpot. So one of the reasons why we are using HubSpot is that we do want to do more communication. And so we are intending on sending out a weekly email at this point. I think in the next three months, we're going to actually have that set up. But so far, we've built up a portfolio of $260 million of assets under management uh, without having really those weekly emails that I know a lot of our competitors love to blast out emails and all that, which is good as long as it's educating. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to educate. And then coupled with that, I'll probably... You know, thanks, you know, to people like you, Steph, like, I think I want to start uh, my own podcast as well, to be able to share the wisdom that I've learned along the way and try to interview people and sort of incorporate that into weekly or biweekly newsletter that we, you know, are going to start growing uh, our email database with as well. So that's, that's coming. But right now, the alligator closest to the boat is just constantly just raising capital for the deal that's right in front of me. It's a balance between working in the business and working on the business for sure. Mm -hmm. What kinds of questions do you get from both potential investors before the deal closes and also investors after the deal has been going on for a while? Sure. So uh, the questions are generally first and foremost about the tenants. At least that's how I would direct them. It's okay. Who are the tenants? How are they doing during COVID? What, you know, is the trend in that business or industry or property type? What's the trend in that area? I think it all starts with that. There is a motto that a mentor of mine taught me. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever mentioned this on your podcast, but it's RTFL. Do you know what RTFL means, Steph? No. Art, it means read the, and I'll go PG, read the freaking lease. At the end of the day, that's that's what drives the cash flow on these deals. So RTFL, you know, so that's what it all starts with is is the lease. And once you have a better understanding about that, that'll trickle down into a spreadsheet and the cash flows and all that kind of good stuff. And then from there, we're gonna we have a long checklist of due diligence items that we're gonna look at to make sure that everything is what it is and that we are in fact buying a property that we believe will be will be stable. And then so then that gets into the next conversation, which people want to know, okay, well, if I put in X number of dollars, how much money am I going to get out and when? And so that one for us is super simple. We typically historically have structured deals where we pay out an 8% preferred return and we pay it out every month. 
on the mm-hmm. three month start because we're buying deals at a 10 cap. We leverage it up uh, with normal, you know, market rate leverage pushes to like a 11 to 14% cash on cash return. And that cash flow allows us, you know, we receive the rents on the first of the month. We distributed out 8% of it on the 15th. And then every quarter, assuming that that additional cash flow hit its performa, we're going to have an additional bonus distribution to the tune of upwards of uh, 2 to 4% on top of that. So uh, that's pretty simple. Your $100,000 investment is going to get an 8% PREF. That's $8,000 a year. You divide that by 12. That's going to be $666.66 that we're going to ACH to your account on the 15th of every month. Very clean and simple. Yes. So after the deal has closed for several months, let's say a year or two in, what kinds of questions do you get from these investors, if any? Um, Yeah, most people are pretty happy with their monthly returns and quarterly return bonuses on top of that. After that, it's not a whole lot. I mean, it's it's mainly unless we hit an unexpected bump in the road, which you know definitely happens sometimes. You know, mostly people this is just a passive investment for them and they don't really have to do anything at all. We handle all the leasing, all the management and reporting. So really the questions I get are, "Hey, where When's the next deal coming? What is it? You know? <laughs> That's a great question to get. Yeah. I'm constantly sharing with people about, you know, what we have in our pipeline and um, what I see coming and where we think the trends are and so on and so forth. So let's say we have a beginner syndicator that will do their first deal. How do you recommend them structuring their offer to tie into those months of fundraising because that's going to frustrate the seller as well if you keep delaying the close date. Right. So it really just depends on what kind of terms they're talking about. But generally speaking, I wouldn't necessarily go to a hard money lender, but some individual, maybe a high net worth individual, and you go to them and say, listen, this is a great deal. Okay. And you tell them why it's a great deal. But being different, remember that, <laughs> share with them about what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, you're going to go out to your network and you're going to share with everybody about this deal. Uh, we have a motto in our company that, you know, if you find the deal, the money will find you. So if it really is a deal, you'll be able to find that money. If it's not a deal or if you can't really, really, really can't find the money, then maybe it's not a deal or give me a call and we can talk about it and I will keep it confidential and I'll give you some feedback. And I do that regularly just just because I'm in that role where I'm constantly raising capital. People are bringing deals to me all the time and saying, Hey, can you help me raise money? Or can you just give me a little bit of feedback? And so that that's something I'd be willing to do really just for, for about anybody like with no, no expectations whatsoever, just to help people out. If you really like think it's a great deal, it is possible to close on the deal with, you know, some short-term higher, you know, interest money if you needed. And then you can close on the deal, have title to it, and then continue raising capital after the fact to subscribe people into the deal and basically pay off that short money lender to get them out of the deal. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Very, very good advice. Is there anything else that you think is important for our listeners to know? 
Uh, at the end of the day, I think just start with your relationships. People that you went to middle school, high school, college, whatever, your friends of friends, and just just share with people about what you're doing. Be you know somebody of high integrity and uh, have some fun along the way. Wow, Ben, you provided a ton of really valuable advice. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Oh, it's my pleasure, Steph. Yeah, sure. You know, LinkedIn. So my name is spelled B-E-N-K-O-G-U-T, Ben Kogut, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Uh, but really, like, we have a lot of really nice uh, informational and education resources on our website, which is hjhinvestments.com. Ben, thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure, Steph. Thanks so much. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter on our website, montecarlorei.com. On top of the page, the link will also be under show notes. And I will see you next time.